There is a good promise found in the Bible in Matthew 11:28 to 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let us take hold of this promise, no matter what the circumstance we find ourselves in. Let's hold his hand and he will walk with us day by day. A blessed and happy Sabbath to you all. In 1996, a young Marine corporal by the name of Joey Mora was standing on a platform of an aircraft carrier patrolling the Persian Gulf. Now, the Persian Gulf is 251,000 square kilometres. It's surrounded by Iran, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, the United Arab Emirates and Pakistan. Now, the aircraft carrier was the USS Carl Vinson and it weighs 101,000 tonnes, 332 metres long and 76 metres wide. Now, the carrier travelled at uh, 30 knots or 60 kilometres per hour, and it could carry 90 aircraft with a crew of 6,000. Incredibly, Joey Mora fell overboard without anyone noticing. Imagine falling off an aircraft carrier. His absence wasn't known for 36 hours. That's a day and a half. <clears throat> a search and rescue mission began, but was given up after 24 hours. That's, that's three and a half days already. No one could survive in the sea there without even a life jacket after 60 hours. His parents were notified by the chief of naval operations that he was missing and presumed dead. The rest of the story is one of those unbelievable events, probably a story for Hollywood. Four Pakistani fishermen found Joey Mora about 72 hours after he'd fallen off the USS Carl Vinson. He was treading water in his sleep, clinging to a makeshift flotation device made from his trousers, said one of the fishermen. His makeshift flotation device was a skill learned in military survival training. The fisherman said he was delirious, sunburned, and severely dehydrated when they pulled him out of the water. His tongue was cracked and his throat parched. A few years later, Joey Mora was interviewed on NBC Dateline. He recounted an unbelievable story of his will to live and survive. Who would not give up, he said. He stated it was God who kept him going. His discovery by the fishermen makes searching for a needle in a haystack a piece of cake. The most excruciating thing of all, Joey said, was the one thought that overtook his body and pounded his brain, water. He wanted water, fresh drinking water. It cleanses us, it revives us, it nourishes us. So join me as I provide you a drink for a dehydrated soul today. Psalm 63 is a fabulous, fabulous verse in the Bible. 
And David wrote it when he was in the desert of Judah. Let me read it for, uh, for you and you just follow with me on the screen. It says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing my lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed and they will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. So he was David in the desert. He was there because he was running away from his son, Absalom. Absalom was not content, content with just obtaining Jerusalem, the palace, all the concubines, and many other things. He wanted the monarchy. No, he decided not just to have those things, he decided to go after David, the king, his father, and destroy him. And it's hard for decent people like you and me to imagine the condition of Absalom's mind which moved him to diligently pursue his father to kill him. One cannot understand someone outside, we can understand someone outside the family usurping the throne and going after the blood of the one who had been on the throne. Absalom drove David out of Jerusalem, out of his palace, out of his capital, out of the place of worship of the people of God, away from the temple, away from the courts of Zion, and out into the wilderness. And this is probably the occasion in which David sings and writes this psalm that we just read, Psalm 63. It's as if his legs have been cut out from underneath him. All of his support is gone. All the blessings are withdrawn and he's in the wilderness. And in the middle of all of this, David writes this prayer to God. Now put yourself in David's shoes for just one minute. God has promised you that you will be king. God has promised you that you will look after a nation of people, but now you're on the run in the desert with an angry son and his army looking for you. What do you pray for? Can I tell you what my prayer would look like? My prayer would be like this. God, I'm thirsty, hungry, and being chased. Please give me food, water, and please get rid of my enemies. In short, God, satisfy my needs. That seems fairly reasonable, doesn't it? That's what you'd be asking for too. How have you dealt with enemies in the past? They can drain the soul and they, they leave you spent and lonely, desperate and lost. And in Psalm 63, 1, 
David begins by describing his appetite for the things of God. He says, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. David is earnestly seeking after God. And here David takes the imagery of the surrounding environment in a dry and parched land where there is no water, there is no shade, it's dry and dusty, there are no trees. Timothy Keller, one of my favourite Christian authors, says this, David does not describe his physical needs, but uses his physical needs to represent his spiritual need for God. He says, my soul thirsts for you and my body longs for you. Did you know that 80% of Australians suffer from symptoms typical of dehydration? Talking about that, the most common symptoms of affecting Australians when it comes to dehydration are lethargy or loss of energy. I strongly believe we have too many, way too many dehydrated Christians who thirst for something greater in their lives. David describes an intense longing for God. How often is it we do not realise what our souls are longing and desiring? We think that the void in our lives is coming from other problems. We think if we do better at school, socially, academically, professionally, we will fill the void. We think we need a new car, more money and some other new toy to fill the void we feel. We think that our relationships with our friends, spouse, children or parents will fill the void we need. We think if we had a better job, we would be happier and the void in our lives would be filled. David does not make this mistake. He, does not say that if he, were, he doesn't say that if he were back in Jerusalem, everything would be fine. David says the only thing that can fill the void in his life is a close relationship with God. Too often we're looking in the wrong places for fulfilment in this world. We think that we can find satisfaction in other things. That is why we struggle so much with living on this earth. We feel, fail to see that the void is only going to be filled by God. It's interesting that everything we think we fill with the void never does. And I believe life can make us thirsty. Every so often in life we have moments of deep down soul thirst. Life has beaten us up, torn us down, spun us around and we realise we're desperate for God. We need his help. We yearn for his presence. We long for his answers. Do you agree? A young Christian author, Kelly Trujillo, says this, The only one who can satisfy the human heart is the one who? The one who made it. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says this, Come to me, you all know this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's from the Message Bible. 
Randy Maxwell, in one of my favourite books, If My People Pray, great book, you need to get it, you need to purchase it. He says this, Until Christ becomes the desire of your heart, you will always look to mere humans to meet the needs that only he can fill. We do in our weakness. We try and find peace, strength, support from others. I believe we need to say to ourselves, I need God to consume me more than my life currently does. Have you ever noticed that the thing that we think is missing in our lives continues to change into different things? If it wasn't the car that would make me happy, it would be a better job. So we get a better job, but that doesn't fix it. So we move, we get married, we get divorced, and yet nothing has changed. So we try all of these other things and we continue to feel the same emptiness. It's a void that only a deep relationship with God can fill. A few weeks ago, I received a call from a man who was struggling with his marriage. He made an appointment to see me. We met in my office here in church and he wanted my advice. He's a committed Christian. He didn't know what to do and in essence, he told me that his wife had had an affair. And I, said, I asked him, how did you find out? And he says, well, my wife's car needed servicing. She said she didn't have time to take it to the dealership. And he said, well, take my car and I'll drive your car to the dealership. So as he was driving the car to the dealership, he noticed that the dash cam was disconnected. The dash cam takes images of traffic in front of you. And if there's an accident, you've got a recording of that. So he thought that was strange. So as he arrived at the dealership, he replugged the dash cam back in, but took the SIM card out. And when he returned home, he watched the SIM card. He said initially there was traffic noise, but then, then he noticed his wife talking to another man while she was driving the car. And they were telling each other how much they loved each other as they drove to a hotel. They were talking about the hotel, the street, the address that it was in. And this man by the name of Adrian is in my office here at church a few weeks ago and he's bawling his eyes out. His world fell apart. He stopped eating. He couldn't sleep. And life was a living hell for him. And... I counselled him, we spoke for a few hours and at the end of our time together I said to him, Adrian, the only person who's going to fill the void in your life right now is Jesus Christ, the only one. I said to him, if you don't ask God, if you don't ask him to fill the void, this crater in your life, nothing will. Tell your Lord and Saviour you need him to fill it right now. Say, Lord, I need you to fill this hole in my heart, my soul, right now. Say, Lord, this emptiness within me is a difficult emotion, emotion is simply to describe to you, but you know me. And we can all come to the realisation that without God, there is no water, nothing to quench the core need of one's life. 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, says Romans 15, 13. And then it says, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And I believe there's a longing and thirsting that is inside every individual. That's you and me. Now there's a story, the story of a young student who went to a spiritual teacher and asked him a question. He said, Master, how can I truly find God? The teacher asked the student to accompany him to a nearby river that ran by the village and invited him to go into the water. When they got to the middle of the stream, the teacher said, please immerse yourself in the water. The student did as was instructed, whereupon the teacher put his hands on the young man's head and held him under the water. The student began to struggle. The master still held him under the water. A moment passed and the student was thrashing and beating the water and, and air with his arms. Still the master held him under the water. Finally, the student was released and he shot up from the water, lungs aching and gasping for air. <gasps> the teacher waited for a few minutes and then said, when you desire God as truly as you have desired the breath that you need in your lungs to breathe, then you shall find God. When you design God, desire God just as truly as you desired to breathe the air, as just breathed, you then shall find God. I love verses 2 to 3 in Psalm 63. It says this, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. David then says he sees God in action. What David is saying is expressing very strong emotions towards God. He's saying, your love is better than life. Your love is better than life. The Living Bible says, for your love and kindness are better to me than life itself. For your love and your kindness are better to me than life itself. This Hebrew word for love is the same word we have seen in the Psalms so many times. This word describes God's faithful, unconditional covenant love. Jerry Bridges, another theologian, says this, God is completely sovereign. God is infinite in wisdom. God is perfect in love. God in his love always wills what is best for us. In his wisdom, he always knows what is best. And in his sovereignty, he has the power to bring it about. This word for love pictures God keeping his word and keeping his promises. David believed in God's promise to make him king over Israel. And David put his trust in God for deliverance from the wilderness. Now look at verses 2 and 3. It says, I have seen you. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. You know the secret to joy, success and peace? Freedom from the world's ills, fear, 
from COVID, sickness, marriage issues, loneliness, say it with me. Your love is better than life. I will glory you. I will praise you. I will lift up my hands. I will remember you. I will think of you. I believe David is stating the reason for his desire to worship God. David says that there is nothing better in life than God's love. Are you looking for God? Do you want peace, joy, forgiveness, healing, love, understanding, wisdom? Then come to Jesus. I'm aware that many are dehydrated. Many Christians are dehydrated today. We've lived around church forever, but we're dehydrated. And we need to recognise our thirst and abandon our substitute means for filling it and turn to the true refreshment, which is God himself. Memorise Psalm 63, 1-5. Make it a daily habit of meditating on this passage in the morning. Get a a cold glass of water. Count your blessings. Dwell in your thirst for God by journaling daily your needs for God, the joys in your life. You could write about yourself and your spiritual journey, forgiveness, physical provisions, emotional needs meant through your relationships, safety, education, opportunities and life itself. I invite you to ask God to help you to live a life filled with him rather than substitutes and conclude your prayer time by drinking a glass of water. Here we go. Let the actual water be a meaningful symbol of your spiritual commitment to be filled and refreshed by God through his spirit. Your love is better than life. I will glorify you. I will praise you. I will lift up my hands. I will remember you. I will think of you. May that be your prayer for this week. God bless you. Heavenly Father, your love is better than life. And I will glorify you. I will praise you. I will lift up my hands to you. I will remember you. I will think of you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for your love, your kindness, your care for us, for your gentleness, and through the scary moments of life. Thank you for being there for us. And Father, when we stray, when we get thirsty, I ask that you just refresh us with your Holy Spirit, with your peace. May you bless those who are, have, are in hospital, those who have come out of hospital that have, are recovering from surgery. May you bless our children, our youth, our families, those who are retired here. May you bless us as a church. Allow us, Lord, to keep on dreaming of a day when we can come back together here to worship you. What a great day that will be. Allow us to look after each other as a, as a community of believers who are just passionate about caring deeply about each other. There is so much pain, Lord, so much disappointment out there. Put people in our lives that we can help, that we can bless. These things we ask in the name of Jesus. 
And everyone said, Amen.